Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series that you haven't finished. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the next installment of our Dub Talk Summer at the Movies Film Festival. Um, I am your host tonight, Ritz of Justice. Uh, joining me tonight is one Spaceman Hardy. Hello. Uh, and tonight, we're going to jazz up the place. Um, and by jazz it up, I mean I'm going to be playing a little bootleg recording off of a cassette tape. Um, we're going to be talking some uh, some Gundam tonight. He would have used vinyl, but just... he accidentally left them in the trunk of the car, and they all kind of melted. But so, uh, yeah, it happens. And I mean, this isn't just Gundam. This is like OG Universal Century stuff because we are talking Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, uh, an adaptation of a pretty well-regarded manga series in in Gundam. Like I said, set in the Universal Century. And I also have a plot description of this, courtesy of ANN. Uh, during the one-year war of UC-0079, the Earth Federation and Principality of Zeon engage in a fierce battle at the Thunderbolt Sector, a shoal zone in the former colony side for more. After successfully infiltrating Zeon's sniper field, Ace Federation pilot and jazz enthusiast EO Fleming is giving control of the latest Gundam prototype. If you're not familiar with any previous original uh, Gundam, then you're probably going to want to have go back and do your research. Because I watched this movie, I was completely lost. <laughs> you know, I yeah. know Gundam Wing, and I know G Gundam, and that's basically it. So, one of these days, maybe I'll need to go back and watch OG Gundam. But, uh, yeah, um, it has pretty fights in it. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, really, the big things you need to know to get into Thunderbolt are, you know, Xeon bad, Earth Federation also bad, but in different <laughs> ways. Yes, there are no good people here. Um, it is, it, it is very much a, this probably like the 8th Mobile Suit Team OVA series back in the uh, back in the late 90s, kind of emphasizes the whole ambiguous gray side of war, where just about everybody involved is up to some shit. Mm -hmm. The big the big message Homeno is trying to bash into our brains is war is bad, but it looks really cool. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, emphasize with the, wow, cool robot. Mm-hmm. 
So this being a Universal Century Gundam franchise entry, um, there is only one place Sunrise can take it to be dubbed. Uh, and that is NYAV Post. Uh, the directors for this film are Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea. And Stephanie Shea also pulls double duty as the script writer. Um, and just as a heads up, I we kind of had to do a little bit of a rush job with the notes, so I don't have, you know, past credits for any of the actors or directors. So we're just going to just roll right into how we feel about they're, they're past, script writing. Their past credits are about 99% of all NYAV movies, basically. It's, I think it's, it's their company and they run it. So they, you'll occasionally yeah. you'll see it a, 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 another director, but usually it's just, it's Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea running it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, one of the things I'm really kind of glad about is NYAV Post handles just about everything involving Universal Century. Um, we, I mean, barring the original OG series, which was dubbed in Canada, but we're probably not going to be getting a redub of it, is what it is. Um, basically, the New York cast is now the the de facto OG Gundam cast. And it, honestly, it shows with Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea's work on this because they have had plenty of time to get themselves familiarized with the Universal Century, with the factions, with, you know, all of this ambiguity of conflict with giant humanoid robots. Yeah, it's um it's well directed and well written um considering Gundam is not just about giant robots but also it delves into the folly of mankind and the uh the how one side could be so convinced that they're right uh, never to take consideration that hey maybe the other side has a good point too. But who cares? Let's just launch a giant robot out of them and blow them up. So we'll just um, we'll just drop a colony on Australia. No one yeah. cares. <laughs> Screw Australia. <laughs> Apologies yeah, to our koalas live there. Yeah, koalas are up to something. Just look at them. <laughs> I don't trust them. I mean, they're related to drop bears, and drop bears are evil. Yes, our good friends. Apologies to any of our listeners who were in Australia. Um, but yeah. Sorry, JR. Yeah. That place, uh, that 90% of things over there will kill you. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, and I one thing I really love is just how free-flowing character dialogue feels. 
Like, especially in the introduction sequence where you're being introduced to the Federation pilots um, while the jazz is playing and Eo is just there like, yeah, you know, I I get pumped up listening to jazz before before a flight. And you can hear, like, conversations and banter going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... You kind of get you kind of get intrigued into both EO and Glasses Guy. Um, they just sort of act like this is just run of the mill everyday thing when they are literally going out there and risking their lives every time because most of the most of the first pilots who go out don't come back. So we only get introduced yeah. to them in the very, very brief span of time, and they often get killed off mid-sentence. It's like like it's nothing. So, it drives. And then also on the flip, go ahead. One thing I also love with the direction in scripts is how well it is able to convey the flip side, um, portraying both um, both the grunts of. Zeon and the Federation as just sort of people doing a job. And, and like, I was just doing a job is, like, history's greatest excuse for some of the most horrible things that have happened. But it really does feel like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it really do be like that. <laughs> And I will say a bit. But yeah, about, I. Oh, go ahead. I will say this about the script, because um, there's a lot of techno jargon in giant robot movies. So, um, mm-hmm. kudos to Stephanie for handling all that. It's it can't be easy, um, because once you get to explaining the physics of a giant robot, that technically, in even as advanced as we are currently right now, we will probably never be able to build anything like this anytime soon. Yes. And so all these mechanics are completely theoretical. Um, and they are able, the fact that they're able to turn the writing around and explain all this, even though it typically goes over someone like Mai's head, it's nonetheless uh, impressive. Yeah, and especially because the movie only really refers to important things in Mobile Suit Gundam, like like the Minovsky particles and new types. Um, I'm at least a little more familiar with them, but you also don't need them. And one other thing I'm really impressed with is... Um, originally this movie was multiple 10 minute ONAs that were stitched together with new footage. Hmm. Um, it may also just be a, a kudo to just how the directors of the actual production were able to stitch them together in a way that it, it doesn't feel like it is 
like a bunch of shorts, it mm-hmm. feels like an actual cohesive film. Right. Yeah, it's sort of different than and, another movie that we covered a few years ago, which was Time of Eve, which did give off, even though it was a feature film, it did give off the feeling like it was a, several episodes stitched together. Well, this right. was much more seamless and cohesive. Exactly. And I mean, I think that was also the case with Time of Eve, where it was a bunch of short vignettes that were put together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I am legitimately impressed with this movie. Just Not just with, you know how it made like a seven episode miniseries into a film without losing anything um, just in general the dub uh, was able to not just not just do the same but also the film is more or less cast in a way that a lot of the actors may have done some stuff in other Universal Century items, but it feel it feels like its own little its own little island, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so kudos to Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea for a bang up technical side of the product. Mm-hmm. Alright, so I'm just going to go ahead and name off all the characters because we really don't have very many to talk about with uh, with Gundam Thunderbolt. Mainly because I should have probably also said this at the front where we are only covering the first film, uh, which is December Sky, um, Bandit Flower. Is another film in Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt that is the sequel to this. Continues the story. There are a lot more characters to that, but we are only focusing on the first film. Uh, But in any case... uh, First of all, we have Boros and J.J. Sexton, the commander of the Xeon ship... I think they called themselves the Dead Fish. Um, A bunch of just war-scarred veterans of Zeon who have had, like, multiple limbs amputated. Um, And that is basically the only way to pilot a mobile suit in this high-pressure environment of Side 4 more. Basically... You have to move fast because there's debris everywhere. And that high speed would obviously cause a lot of strain on limbs. So, basically, if you don't got them, you're good to go. Only it costs you an arm and a leg. Burroughs <laughs> uh, is the commander and... Um, Yeah, he is for the Xeon. Oh, oh no, Sexton is the. Um, He's the researcher. 
the glasses yeah. researcher dude. Yeah. Mm, big jerk. I guess he is kind of a military commander. Yeah. But more of the more on the science division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boros is the commander of the ship. Right. Um, who is very aware that he is sending a bunch of scarred soldiers to their deaths. And, Se- and Sexton is just a conniving little weasel who is trying to build his way up to promotion after promotion after promotion. Um, he is one of the lead designers of a of a new prototype operating system for mobile suits that basically interfaces with the human nervous system directly. And it should also be mentioned, it is not his technology. He's kind of stealing it. Yeah. Um, we also have Cornelius Kaka. He, <laughs> Kaka. Uh, he is a federate. I think he's a mechanic with the Federation. Basically, um, he's yeah. He's good friends with skilled pilot EO Fleming. And that's basically his entire role in the movie. He's just the buddy. Right. But he's, he's a good non-com- buddy. He's a non-combatant through and through. And then we also have Graham, one of the commanders on the Federation ship. Um, he butts heads with... With the captain, Claudia Peer, quite a bit. And eventually shoots her at the end of the film. Yeah, he's... But too loyal to his cause. And on that note, Claudia is the um, is the captain in charge of the um, of the, the Federation fleet? fleet, basically inside for more. She mm. was from the colony and has a deep seated grudge against Zeon for basically destroying it. She also became commander because her father before her was commander and he died. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something, a, not technically a a spot that she earned, but she sort of just uh, got it because it was passed down. So. Nepotism! Uh, hey. We also have Carla Mitchum. Uh, it was basically her research that led to the neural interface of Xeon. Um, and J.J. Sexton is stealing parts of it and kind of using her to continue his upward ascent in the Xeon ranks. <laughs> and then we have Eo and Daryl. These guys. Um, two pilots on the opposite sides of the war. Um, Eo with the Federation, Daryl with Xeon. Um, they fight a lot. Yeah. And their fights look great. Mm-hmm. Um, EO eventually gets himself a Gundam, and Daryl eventually gets a super, super advanced Zaku, and they just butt heads. And mm-hmm. it is beautiful. Yep. Sunrise spared no expense. Alright, so... In playing these characters, um, Daryl Lorenz is played by Johnny Young Bosch. EO Fleming is Max Middleman. 
Uh, Carla Mitchum is Tara Sands. Claudia Peer is Jeremy Lee. Burrow is Scott Williams. JJ Sexton is Will Barrett. Cornelius Kaka is Christian Lamani. And Graham is Ray Chase. And I think I want to start with sort of the more minor characters here. Um, like I've been alluding to, J.J. Sexton is sort of a sniveling weasel. And Will Barrett is just absolutely delicious as this guy. Because he really... He doesn't care about anyone. He's just rising up the ranks so that he... He doesn't have to be in the front line anymore. And the fun part is uh, when Zeon is basically horribly losing um, in the Battle of Cyphor more. And he's basically conscripted. And I think he even punches a dude out to get into an escape pod. Yeah, no, he is very much the Billy Zane in Vite Titanic. <laughs> and. I don't really have much to say about Boros. Um, he's yeah. kind of the good fight. He plays a good fight to the death commander guy. That's really about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to know that Ray Chase as Graham is. Um, well, he's Ray Chase. That's for sure. Uh, you could definitely tell it's him, but he plays the sort of loyal to a fault. Um you're not going to, if you're going to go, if I'm going down, you're going down too. Everyone goes down with the ship. And he's just, Graham is, is to the point to where he, he lets his loyalty get the better of him and ends up taking most of his crew with him. As a result. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... And Christian Lamont as Cornelius, he's sort of like the moral epicenter of the whole film. There's a time near the end to where he's like, why do we have to fight each other? Why can't we just settle this peacefully? And then that all completely backfires as his crew attacked the uh, the Xeon um, the Xeon uh, surrenders and yeah uh, yeah up until that point in the film he's just sort of this laid back friend of Eos who just uh, just hangs out and jokes with him and says hey bring it back in one piece and then he sort of has his moral event horizon as he's forced to fight despite him having no experience and you can really tell the tone in Christian's voice as it changes uh, as Cornelius basically just sort of he, he doesn't really cower but he's just he's out of his element he's legitimately terrified right like this that isn't is what I signed up for it is a completely different emotion than cowering mm -hmm. like he is absolutely mortified at what he has to do. And not only that, he has to witness the fact that, knowingly or not, he is playing distraction toward what is basically 
basically a war crime. Yeah, exactly. And, and he kind he, of has this moment to where he realizes all along that he's just been doing this job. He's been sending these men out to do these things and his hands are just as bloodstained as anyone else's when it comes down to it because yeah. he has to maintain the war machines. So. And I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that idea because that's going to really come up when we talk about EO. Difference with EO is he um, loves to fight. Yeah. At the same time, when he's basically given the ensigns, who are all these, like, they are animated like they're 14, 15-year-old kids. Right. They look fresh out of middle school. And it's just like him and Claudia are just mortified at this fact that they're, that the Federation is basically sending meat for the grinder in the form of these basically kids. And I think, uh, like, Claudia and Jeremy Lee is probably, like, one of my favorite performances of the film. This is definitely outside of what we usually know Jeremy Lee for. You don't see her play a lot of yeah. characters like this. Because Claudia is sort of... Well, she's a drug addict, for one thing. Um, yep. She is heavily mentally scarred. Um, she's abusive to her... She's self-abusive. Um, she blames herself a lot for what a lot of the things that has happened. And not all of it is her fault. And yet some, a lot of it is. And, and she escapes from that basically by falling in love with a horribly abusive son of a bitch. Oh yeah. In the form make, of EO. Yeah. Make no mistakes. EO is by no means a hero. He is not a good guy. He is a protagonist. He is not the hero. Mm -hmm. And kind of... And like with the parallels of EO and Daryl, um, I, I notice a lot of really interesting things between Claudia and Carla, even though the characters really don't interact at all. No, they never meet over the course of the film at all. And I'm not in really... The same Go ahead. Um, in the same sense um, that Claudia is basically this broken woman who is sending a bunch of men to their deaths, um, Carla basically has a shit ton of blood on her hands herself because she's basically experimenting on a bunch of Xeon soldiers. Yeah, I noticed the main difference between the Federation and Xeon is that if you get injured in the Federation, you don't go back out on the front lines. If it was Xeon, they just yep. they patch you up, send you right back out. Because every, every, every bleeding heart counts at this moment. Well, I think the thing is, with the Federation, you keep fighting until you die. And with Xeon, 
you keep fighting until you can't fight anymore. Then they'll take you back, fix you up, and you'll have to go back and out and fight again. Yeah, it's sort of a catch-22 situation in either way. But I love how this... How this philosophy really comes into contact um, into conflict with Carla's character because she yeah. hates this she yeah she hates it she and... hates having to do it and she is in love with Daryl but at the same time she looks at what she has done to this man and is mortified with herself yeah, I think out of all the characters in the show, she is the one who has the most mental stress and she sort of breaks down the hardest near the end. I think at the end, I think she is technically still alive, but she is mentally broken. Yes, she is. She has survived to the end of the film. Um, and my understanding is I have not actually seen the second one yet. Um, she has a much bigger role in that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not really familiar with Tara Sands' jazz of yet. So, but I will say that portraying this mentally, I, I don't want to call her mentally ill, mentally affected, um, ca- ca- this doctor, um, yeah. she did a really fantastic job. Uh, yeah, the both both of our female leads are some very very troubled women and I think the actresses are really able to uh, to bring that out and um hopefully it didn't take its toll on them mentally to play yeah. these roles. So cuz they are both very very hard roles to play. And I guess that brings us to our two protagonists where here's where I went under the, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go on. I went into this thinking because I'm not very well versed in Gundam. I went into this thinking that, Hey, Zeon is bad. Um, Mm -hmm. this changed me up because while I do think Zeon are more like, I I don't want to call them space Nazis. But they are the more of they're the more fundamentalists or closer to closer to fascists than the Federation appear to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There is no good or bad side. Um, let it because lean, Zeon leans very, very heavily into like fascist iconography. Right. And so consider me surprised where I actually wanted to root more for Daryl, despite him being uh, being on Xeon. Um, I think out of the main characters, he is easily the more level headed and because he's lost so much and yet he's still willing to go through and fight despite literally losing all, both his arms and legs. Um it's almost sad watching him have his flashbacks where he's running through down the beach with his, with his arms and legs still intact. And, uh, you do, you really feel for the guy and you kind of want to see him win, even though Zeon's technically the de facto bad guy. But, um, yeah, 
And so this is a Johnny Young Bosch role, and it's Johnny Young Bosch doing his thing. He's he's played these types of characters before, and he's good at it. It's nothing special, but I mean, why fix a thing that isn't broken? Right. Yeah. And but, I go ahead. Honestly, it is. I do want to go in in a sec with um, with EO because I think there are a couple defining moments for him. One first and foremost is in the very beginning of the film where he's being scolded by Claudia for being reckless. And that scene between them is just tense. That is what I'm here for in terms of anime dubs, Mm -hmm. like that kind of character interaction where she's basically yelling at him that she, she's legitimately ashamed to be in love with him, but she is. And the other thing, as I alluded to with um, with Cornelius, is when the incense come in, and he basically has to give the speech where he's basically saying, hey, you guys are going to be cannon fodder, and I hate this. Mm-hmm. No, I will say this. Um, probably my opinion for the strongest performance in the entire dub is Max Middleman, easily. Um, yes. This is, because we've heard Max in other shows like One Punch Man, and we've heard him as Red 13 in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and of course as Ryuji in Persona 5. He has never played a character like this before. EO is a... How to describe it? He's reckless... He is hot-headed, and he is defiant to a very to the very end. And I'm just I'm just really impressed by Max's performance in this. I did not know he could play a character like this. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, remember, Eo is not a good person. He is a jerk. No, he is um, rebellious. Um, and if you want to pick a fight with him, he will he will fight to the very, very end. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that the film decides to portray EO as sort of the... as sort of this vicious member of the group that, while not entirely, it is meant to sort of be the good guy analog... And Daryl is the cool and calm member of the very clearly villainous organization. Mm-hmm. This movie does such a good job with playing around with the roles of protagonists and antagonists. And I think that's what drew it to drew me to it. But yeah, no, as also hand drawn robots. Yes, always hand drawn robots. And so, do we, we have a lot of time. We've actually, we've made really good time. Is there anything else we want to discuss about the movie? It's themes, it's, uh... I mean, I feel like it does have a lot to say about the nature of wounded warriors and how society treats them. Right. 
it is kind of an interesting thing that we um, we're actually recording this like the night before the Fourth of July. Yeah, that is interesting. Because I think I think the film does do an interesting thing in looking at sort of the ideology of. Patriotism, I guess. Yeah, because you can take a different look between people like J.J. Uh, Sexton and people like Graham, one who would happily abandon his uh, his place just to save his skin. The other one who would shoot his own commander just to make sure that she goes down with the ship. So yeah, and then you also have Cornelius, who just wants to. He doesn't want anyone to fight. He just wants there to be peace, and this movie does not care. This movie does not care at all, and there are no good guys. There are no bad guys. There's no levity in this film. The only time that you even has something resembling a joke. Are when uh, EO, like at the beginning when EO is playing the drums on his on his uh, on his uh, robot, and they're all like, "Hey, don't get yourself killed" and everything. And then, oh, the the ensigns as they're taking selfies together right before they go out, and then they yep. basically just get mowed like grass. It's it's a hard movie to and watch. I, I think the uh, so there's also a really to me, an interesting parallel between the Federation and Zeon in the music that they listen to. Oh, yeah. Um, because EO... EO is big on jazz. Like, free-flowing, chaotic, just energy all over the place. And Daryl is into sort of like the 50s bubblegum pop. Everything is... Everything is neat. Everything is organized. Almost to a synthetic degree. Yeah, one thing I did make a lot of comparisons to, and I wasn't expecting, was I got a lot of hints from the Bebop soundtrack from this film. Mm. Both with the um, the period-style music and the hyperphonetic jazz numbers. Like, I was not expecting that, but it was welcome. Yeah, I, I have to see the soundtrack was, was really fantastic. Yes. Mm -hmm. But anyways, now I have to go hunt down the second movie and see how things pan out. So, <laughs> All we know we is We hope things that... end well, but we know they're yeah. probably not going to end in the greatest of terms. Yep. At least we know that EO is willing to fight even when he's naked. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't even try to put an egg close. He just grabs a gun and starts shooting folks while he's butt naked. Only thing between us and his bare ass is a shadow. <laughs> but I think at this point, it, it would be a good good opportunity for us to segue into final thoughts um like i've been saying 
we have only watched December Sky in the in a vacuum. We need to get to Bandit Flower at some point. It likely will not be covered on Dub Talk, but um, maybe there would be another avenue for us to talk about it later. Perhaps. But yeah, um, for as for recommending, as for oh, final thoughts, the dub is very good. Uh, it's very well acted. Um, I would recommend watching some of the original Mobile Suit Gundam before going into this, if you haven't. Because I went into this blind and I, while I enjoyed it, I don't think I got much out of it or understood much of it. So, if you are going to to get into Gundam, I probably put this off until you probably have the at least the first series covered. That would be my recommendation. But if that doesn't matter to you, uh, it is very pretty. It has great music. It has a great dub. It's short, and you could do worse for a seventy-six minute film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I largely agree. Um, this probably is one of the more standalone entries of Universal Century. Um, if you if you did want like an hour, two hours of just something Gundam, um, you could do a lot worse than than Gundam Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. Um. The dub is absolutely solid. Um, definitely built on one of the strongest franchise foundations in dubbing today. Um, but just be warned, it's it's a rough film. Yeah, it's, it's dark. It's going to send your emotions everywhere. And there is really no one person you can really root for in the film. Now, on the subject of Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, um, a little bit of an unfortunate thing is, while you can find this... While you can find the ONA cut subtitled on basically YouTube, uh, via the, the Gundam Info Portal... I think it goes on and off on occasion. Um, Ray Stuff did put out a Blu-ray version that does include the dub. Uh, it is generally about $30 for the first film and then another 30 for the second. A little pricey, but you know what? If you're, if you're into Gundam, it is definitely worth it. Yeah, uh, the Blu-ray... Uh visuals on this film are phenomenal if you've got yourself a nice 4k tv and speaking of 4k um it is very out of print but if you happen to manage to score yourself a copy um december sky is available via uhd and hopefully that will go in back into print soon especially Considering Crunchyroll now owns right stuff and is capable of doing UHD releases, I would love to see a domestic release of December Sky and Bandit Flower in 4K. 
All right. So do we have anything we want to say before we head on out? Yeah, so if you wanted to see what we were up to, um, if you are listening to the audio-only feed, we have a YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash Podcast. Um, and if you are watching this via YouTube, we also have audio-only feeds via Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, we have a Twitter account while it lasts for now yes uh we have a twitch stream that does occasionally stream um games i'm hoping to eventually get back into it but my internet connection is kind of crap so we'll see um we also have an instagram feed that occasionally updates um we have a kofi account as well if you wanted to provide a financial contribution to what we do uh we also have a patreon and at the end of episodes we like to shout out our patrons so at the five dollar tier we have megan's mom and dad michelle travis victor my and and at the ten dollar tier we have anthony brown carly lesicow julia w kimo soup marissa lenti and otaku anthony Thank you, guys. It is these financial contributions that really help us do the things that we do. Thank you all. And Hardy? Yes? Um, where might we be able to find you on the wide world of the internet? It's becoming rare and rare to see me on there, but uh, while Twitter still exists, I am at Spaceman Hardy on Twitter. You can always uh, follow me. Um, I mainly... I mainly post old man complaints uh, because, as you may not know, as of as of the time this recording goes live, I will be forty years old, and so mm. I am. I have finally crossed the threshold into middle age, and it is what it is. Getting old sucks, but everybody's doing it. Can't argue with that. So, where can we find you, good sir? So, while it's still up, um, you can find me on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice, uh, mainly retweet cute animal pics, uh, talk general fandom stuff, and it's a good time, and you should give me a follow. Um, I do actually have a Patrick's Cool thing of the day, um, it is a podcast. And it is a podcast that absolutely lampoons on the genre of the true crime podcast. Oh, really? Um, it is, like, absolutely savage about it. Um, the title of this podcast is Who Shat on My Floor at My Wedding? <laughs> or Who Shat on the Floor at My Wedding? Nice. So... It is set with um, with this Australian lesbian couple. Um, they have a wedding on a boat, and somebody shits on the floor. Lovely. And their objective is to find out who shat on the floor at their wedding. And they mm. hire the most underqualified people to try to figure this out. It is spectacularly hilarious and dumb. 
Nice. Um, so, Patrick's cool thing of the day for the Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt episode. Um, do watch this after you watch Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, because you will need to pick me up. It is who shat on the floor at my wedding. All right. All right, and with that, I think we can call this episode a wrap. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for tuning in. I have been Spaceman Hardy. And we are signing out. So Otaku on the Dubba, and do enjoy the episodes of Summer at the Movies that come in the following weeks. We know everyone has worked really hard on them. Mm-hmm. And click. <laughs>